time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of the Feelin' Film podcast. I'm Patrick, alongside my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Hello. This week, we are deviating from the film aspect of the show and diving into something that gripped us both on the feeling part of our viewing experience. That's right. Don't adjust your device or whatever you're hearing this on. It's us, in stereo, talking about the latest Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. No what we've been up to, no connecting point. Just a conversation about a girl, some tapes, and the people that were impacted by it all including us. Yes. And Patrick, the first thing that I think we need to do is be very clear about how serious of a matter this discussion is covering. Um, 13 reasons why is uh, the subject of a lot of controversy right now. And that's not particularly why we're covering it. Um, But with that being the case, we want to do uh, justice to those that in real life are struggling with the things that this are depicted in a fictional way in this story. And so the first thing we just want to do is tell you, if you're listening to this and you've watched the show, you haven't watched the show, but you're having any kind of thoughts of hurting yourself um, or struggling with uh, suicide, um, with anything really that uh, could be considered self-harm, with feelings of uh, lack of self-worth, pick up the phone. Um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is easy to remember. It's 1-800-273-TALK. It's that simple. 1-800-273-TALK. Um, that's the, the easiest and quickest thing you can do to seek help. Um, in fact, maybe it's not the quickest. There's also a text line, if you didn't know that. And these are resources that not only... Uh, you can use yourself if you're in this place, but if you have a friend that is ever in this place, someone comes to talk to you, a uh, fa- friend, family member, gosh, it could be anything, coworker. Um, but these are resources that you can share. This text line, uh, you can text 741-741 and immediately get help as well. Um, you can do that on an anonymous basis. Um, don't think about it too much, just do it. I think that's one of the things that Patrick and I really got out of the show um, that we'll talk about in detail, but it's, it's don't think too much. Don't, don't dwell on it. Um, talk to somebody first and, and make that your first step. And lastly, um, there's a great website that was put together by the team that made 13 reasons why that collects uh, even more of these, these re- um, resources into one place. And that's at 13 reasons why.info. So, um, those are all things you can do, you can use uh, to you know, find help for yourself or find help for others. And so we encourage anyone that is even remotely um, potentially triggered by this conversation to stop now and not listen to it. Um, like I said, we, we want to be um, smart about this. Uh, we don't want anyone to listen to us and walk away feeling worse about their life. We would rather you get help first. Um, that's what's important here. So we just wanted to, to say that up front. 
Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you offering that. And we'll drop some of that stuff. Actually, not some of that. We'll drop all of that in the show notes. So just in case you missed it um, and you don't want to hit the rewind button, you can uh, you can check it out on the, the website and within our show notes. Uh, that being said, we are going to spoil this series. It's a 13-episode series. There's a lot to talk about. We're not going to be able to get to everything. Uh, one of the strengths of this show is that it um, it asks a lot of questions and it invites us as an audience to at least try to answer some of them, at the very least have discussions on some of these questions that are that are hard to answer. And so we're going to probably work through some of those and um, we're going to look at it from a feeling point of view. This was a this was a series that uh, it connected with us both for various reasons. And so just to kind of open up the discussion, uh, my, my first question to you, Aaron, is what was your initial reaction from watching uh, the show? Why did this resonate with you? Well, I got to say, so I read the book, um, and I, I believe the author's name is Jay Asher. Hopefully I'm getting it right. Um, I read this book several years ago, and it did not resonate with me anywhere close to the way that the show did. So my memory of the book was kind of, oh, yeah, that was a, a really clever narrative conceit that they used uh, in a way to tell the story in this, you know, using the 13 tapes. But the the trauma and the tragedy of what actually was taking place, which is a, a young girl taking her life um, and the reasons behind it, were so much less specific. <laughs> um, we got a lot more detail in the TV show. And so um, I, I, don't, I don't remember the book hitting me like this did. So uh, when this started, it was right off the bat, like from episode one, it grabs you and it pulls you in. And it not only starts ripping at your heartstrings right away, um, but it's this very odd mix of that. It's it's gripping, and it's got that um, next episode, one more episode kind of hook to it that really drives you, not necessarily with cliffhangers, but again, using that device of the 13 tapes and breaking this into 13 episodes where we know what each episode is going to be as a new story. Um, it makes me feel like I want to keep going, and so... Um, I was all in on this. As soon as I started watching it, uh, it grabbed me. I had to know what was going on. I, was, I, I immediately started feeling close to these characters. And so I watched the entire show, 13 episodes, in a 24-hour period. Um, the, the definition of Netflix binge right there. Uh, and, you know, coming out of it, Patrick, I didn't know what to say. We knew we wanted to talk about it, but we didn't know how. Um my reaction was first and foremost one of incredible sadness uh, for the events that took place. I'm, I, yeah, I'm crying over fictional people, but these fictional people represent true stories um, of, of teenagers and, and children who have, have taken their lives for, for probably very similar reasons. And the realistic depiction of the school and the kids and the situations in this show scared the bejesus out of me. I have a 14-year-old daughter. Um, it was not easy to watch. It was very painful and hard to watch at times. Um, but I felt coming out of it that it was incredibly important. 
and that there was a lot being said here and a lot being shown here that people could learn from uh, and hopefully gain some empathy, gain some understanding, and with any luck, um, be able to prevent this from happening to someone else in their lives. And that's that's kind of, I guess, the broadest overview I can give of how I came out of this show. Well, there's a, there's a lot there that I agree with. One of the things that resonated with me was the, the method of storytelling. The uh, First of all, the what I would call the Quentin Tarantino-esque uh, way of saying, here's what happened, now let's backtrack. Let's tell you what's lead up to that final moment. Uh, I thought that was very, very smart. There's a level of intrigue, level of mystery that that grabs me as a viewer. There's also the long-form storytelling. You and I, we've been going through Battlestar Galactica <laughs> over the last, it feels like five years, but not really. <laughs> Just... <laughs> But there's something interesting about seeing a narrative being spread out over the course of several hours as opposed to seeing it in a feature film. And I think the fact that it was played out in this way gives a lot more strength to connective tissue with the characters and with what's going on. You combine that with the idea that this isn't like a Western where we're trying to connect with characters who are people we don't really know about. I don't know a lot of cowboys that sling, you know, guns from their hips. I don't know a lot of pirates who go out and pillage um, ships with the undead. Um, I, I think the, the thing about the show, the thing that allows me to connect with the characters in it is not that I believe in the accuracy of their depictions, but I believe in them as characters. I don't know a Hannah Baker. I don't know a Clay. I don't know these people personally. And in some ways, I've never been in their shoes. I've been connected with someone who, who did take his own life, but I didn't know the complete story behind it, only aftermath stuff. So a series like this has the power to both persuade and entertain and it did that for me and i say entertain in the most sensitive sense this is not a show that i want to go back and rewatch over and over again like the office or west wing i didn't enjoy it that way it's a show that has the power to give us empathy for characters to hate characters to fall in love with characters in a way that feels realistic it feels grounded we're not falling in love with superheroes here. We're falling in love with high school kids that are being slut-shamed. We're falling in love with high school kids that are being uh, bullied. We are hating high school kids that are committing just atrocious acts towards others. And finishing the series, it's, it's as if I was watching, in some ways, a documentary. I was watching the lives of real people, and I was given this window and so walking away from that and walking away from that bigger story and all those smaller stories in between you don't feel great <laughs> you know i uh it, it reminded me a lot of reading the book columbine and having this connection with these real people and walking away going wow that was a powerful book i don't know if i could read that again 
And there's some real value in that in some weird way. There's some real value in in being able to pull off a, a, a story like that, especially one that is fictitious. But I think because it deals with very real uh, issues, I think that's where where and why I connected with it is because I know that that stuff exists. I know that that stuff is very real. Now, I don't know the extent of the liberty that is taken. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I don't know. I'm not a suicide victim. I'm not a suicide survivor. Um, these are conversations I want to have with people that are in those positions. And um, I, I think that it's worth having those conversations. So um, overall, it was a... Uh, it was an intriguing story and a, a really visceral experience. I think that's the word that stands out to me is it was a very visceral experience. Oh, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we did, we definitely, <laughs> you know, one of the things that's talked so much about is, is how viscerally uh, depict depiction was of, of certain acts, certain awful acts like the suicide itself. And, um, and I guess we're talking spoilers. So a couple of different rapes, um, they're just the way in which they're shown is um, it doesn't leave your mind. That's for sure. Yeah. And so leading into, we talked about the characters, what we, you know, we've talked about our connection with the characters and you've read the book. So I, and I love that, that you have that perspective. So I'm, I might need to pull your, your literary brain for, for a little bit here. Um, on the surface, this is a story about Hannah Baker sending 13 tapes to people leading up to her suicide. So that's the basic kind of synopsis, right. I guess we could agree, mm -hmm. right? Yep, that's that's what drives us from point A to point B. Right. However, the series differs from the book in that there is an expansion of character development. From what I understand, the book strictly deals with Hannah and Clay, right? The only Very, two. Yeah, I mean, we don't really get everybody else's perspectives. I mean, we, we get kind of we get them from their points of view. Yeah, right. We get the we get sort of the what we could probably call it a slight unreliable narrator. We get it from Hannah's point of view, possibly from Clay's. I'm not sure, but um, so from a series point of view, the the development of these characters put a question in my head of is there really a protagonist or a hero in this story? Is there an antagonist? Are there good guys and bad guys? What do you think? Well, well, I mean, I think <laughs> that's a loaded <laughs> question. Oh, well. um, <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> so I don't think that there's a hero. I will say that, um, that word, that term, that phrase is not, not found in this to me. Um, yeah. And there's just not. I can't. I cannot think of a single. I, I tell you, the only, the closest thing you're gonna have to a hero character or a character that is the the most good in this is, are probably Clay's parents. Um, I felt okay. like, I felt like Clay's parents were a strong depiction of a family that really tried to engage their child and ask those questions and get into his life and be a part of what was going on and and try to be there for him they were the ones that were present um and and just you know the only pure people that I, I can point to completely pure people uh in this whole whole story um, but yeah as far as like a protagonist goes i mean 
I don't know. I guess you could almost say it's Hannah, but the problem is Hannah's also an antagonist. And, um, as are almost every single kid in this story, as is almost every single kid in this story and quite a few of the parents and the teachers and, and, and everybody that plays a role in her life. And I think that that is part of why it's so brilliant to me and so compelling the way the story is told is that everybody has a, a, a part to play in this. No one is absolved um, of wrongdoing completely. Everyone could have made a different choice at some point that would have been a better choice. Um, now that's not, I'm not playing the blame placing game yet. I'm just saying that everybody makes poor choices in there somewhere along the way. So I think that it is meant to be that way. Ambiguous. If you want to say that. Um, and I think that it incredibly strengthens the story compared, like I said in my, in my opening compared to reading the book, this is vastly different and it is so much better and so much deeper because when you read the book and you see these events from like one of two perspectives, one being the person who murdered or killed herself and one person from the person who is feeling guilty about thinking he's the only one or the one that kind of pushed her over the edge. That's vastly different than actually seeing why the kids made the choices that they did that impacted Hannah's life in the first place. So I think that that, I don't think the story would have impacted me the way it did. And I don't think that I would have gotten the sense of learning or, or teaching opportunity from it that I did without that being there because part of what I pulled from this was how much we can look at those classmates in Hannah's lives and use those characters to learn about how maybe we can act going forward to help prevent this kind of situation in the future. Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely a few years removed from high school, but I knew just these, a couple though, just a couple, you know, just, just to throw that out there. Hashtag don't believe his lies. Um, the, <laughs> the characters in this show at the very beginning feel very flat. They're stereotypes. I've known almost every one of those types of people. I've been one of those types of people. <laughs> right. But the benefit of having a TV series, again, this long-form storytelling, is that these flat characters round themselves out. We get the other side of the story. Being the omniscient uh, audience that we are, we get to see what's happening over at Justin's house that Hannah doesn't know or that Clay doesn't know about. We get a complete picture. Well, I say we get a, we get a more complete picture than that of Hannah or that of Clay or that of someone like Bryce. And so I think the power of that challenges our perceptions. And that's definitely a big theme here is the power of perception. And I think what the show does so well is that it rounds out these characters as the series goes on. And it, in some ways it rounds them out to confirm our preconceptions about them. In other ways, it conflicts with them and allows us to kind of second guess or maybe go through a different thought process of what their motives actually stem from. Uh, Justin's character comes to mind as a person who coincidentally is the one who started the whole, um, the whole 
slut shaming, I guess you could say, the whole rumor. You know, his story, his tape is what began the series. And by the end of the series, what we see is a guy who my heart breaks for right. because of the broken family that he comes from. And so right. there's 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 genuine um, there's genuine sadness that I feel for this guy. And that just reminds me that people have stories you don't know about. Mm. And it brings about a sense of real sincerity that plays into the theme of 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 understanding and, and seeing people beyond who they portray themselves as. Because we could admit, and I think we've talked about this in the show, that we kind of put our that we attempt to put our best selves front facing to the people around us. But there's really a lot going on and that's why we have to have a mirror of friendships around us. Um, I don't want to get too far into that just yet because I know we're going to come back to that. But I think the characters themselves, because of their roundedness, because they've de- they're developed so what I consider effectively, I think it allows us to challenge our, our preconceptions about what we expect. And that may be a criticism of the show because it doesn't necessarily resolve. There are characters who stay the same. And because they do, it makes me mad. <laughs> you want people to get justice. You want people to be punished. And some people don't, you know. So, so I, I love that you brought that up. I, I watched a movie just this evening called Personal Shopper. And one of the reviews that I read after, you know, leaving my own review of it was that people who do not like films and stories that don't have a resolution <laughs> are not going to enjoy this movie. And I think that you're right. I think that largely that's what 13 Reasons Why is as well. It doesn't have the nice little tie up all the loose ends um, about it. And that's ironically exactly what I do love about it <laughs> and, and why I prefer it because it makes me feel like it's more accurate to real life because guess what? It sucks, but rapists get away. Rapists don't get caught and they go on to continue hurting other people and bullies grow up and never get put in place and become bigger bullies when they become adults. People have horrible things done to them. Um, I, I, you know, I bet I'm sure that girls um, who are sexually abused probably don't always ever bring it up and talk about it. They don't, they don't find solace. They live with it and they harbor that deep inside them um, for forever, probably in some cases. And that's, that's why this is so much more of a tragedy than just about Hannah. And that's, right. that's what I love seeing. All, and I love, I, I, I got to check my language sometimes because <laughs> I don't love it, but I, I respect being able to see that about all of these different characters because it, it makes me understand that it's so much more than just, Hey, let's save Hannah from killing herself. It's there's a, there's a poster. I just, I, I want to mention, um, there's a, a moment in the show that was a big takeaway for me, and that was when the um, one of the the kids in the hallway uh, after after um, her death, they were postering a bunch of the these things along the walls in the high school, these suicide prevention posters, and one of the kids I don't remember who it was says, "Why don't they just put up a poster that says, don't be a bleep to people.'" And I was like, yes, that's what my takeaway from the show was, was let's attack this at the lowest level 
let's not try to fix it. Well, not let's not try, but solving this epidemic of, of teenage suicide that is a real, very real problem in our world does not always is not going to make it a, a big impact always trying to do it at the highest level of stopping it at that very last moment right before they cut themselves or pull a trigger or hang themselves. It is stopping it and teaching people to not ever treat others in a way that would lead them to those feelings, I think. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, when we talk about the forms of of abuse, the forms of uh, suicide, it it takes me back to the, I guess, the biggest criticism, the biggest area of uh, the biggest like kind of red circle around the show, and that's the uh, the depictions of both the uh, the rape, the the two rapes and and the suicide. These are things that um, I know for myself were very hard to watch. In fact, I, I couldn't watch the suicide. Uh, I'd heard a lot about it, and I uh, I really had to to check myself and to say, is this something I need to see? Is this something I quote want to see? And um, I I I couldn't, and so I, I chose not to. I <laughs> like uh, like a friend of mine. I just listened, <laughs> and even that didn't sit well with me, but I wanted to ask you, do you feel like, um, and I'm going to call these three scenes out, the, the two depictions of rape and the depiction of suicide, do you think that the show was heavy handed in this depiction? Do you feel like it was overdone? Do you feel like it was too much? Do you feel like it was just right? Um, how did you respond to that? Well, let me start by saying, that I completely respect and appreciate that you couldn't watch that scene. Um, I've talked to a lot of people online about this show. It's, it's, it's really been a hotbed for discussion the last couple of weeks and you're not the only one. And there's no shame in that because it is an incredibly difficult thing to watch. And you know what? It's not valuable for everyone to watch that. Um, we talked about the trigger warnings and we talked about um, people that shouldn't, even be listening to us talk about this movie or this show. Um, and the same goes for watching it. Obviously, you know, there are, there are kids and there are people out there that don't need to see that event depicted. Um, and so there is a level of responsibility that comes into play, personal responsibility, um, and knowing yourself and knowing what you can and can't take, which is what you were able to do, um, and, and deciding. And then if you're a parent, knowing what your kid's watching and um, parenting as best you can and, and to prevent people from watching something that maybe they shouldn't or that's not going to be helpful to them. So I say that as a long-winded way to say I, I'm understanding that you didn't see that. And uh, I did. I chose to watch all of the rapes and the uh, suicide in their entirety simply because I wanted to know how it was done. It was t- it was hard. Um, it was extremely hard, especially the the well, not even especially. They all were difficult. Um, I they were so difficult that before we recorded tonight, I was rewatching the final final episode, and once we got to the actual suicide scene, I couldn't watch it, man. I, we, we led up to it. I felt it churning in my gut and I had to stop and I stopped. I couldn't, I couldn't go through it a second time. 
knowing what I was going to see. And you would think that that would mean you were desensitized to it at that point, but it was still so incredibly powerful to me that I just couldn't do it. But your initial question was, I think, do I think that they were as value to the way that they were depicted? And I absolutely do think that there is value for some people to see the way they were depicted. For me, what they did is they gave me a very non-sensationalized, what I believe to be realistic depiction of how these things played out. They're not glamorous. They're not exciting. They're not flashy. They are sad and terrible and awful. Not every girl screams when she's being raped. Um, people will always say, well, why didn't you, you know, yell for help? You know, I, I, I've never been in that position and I, and I doubt that I ever will be, but what Hannah went through, uh, in, in the hot tub, um, you know, I think by, by making the choice to linger on a face and show us that we see the emotional trauma that is registering more than the physical trauma. And we realize that rape is not just about what's happening to the body. It's about the power and the everything, everything about that person that is being stolen from them by um, the victimizer. And the same kind of goes with the suicide in the sense of, you know, it shows us just how, slow it is you know it's not it's not like some movies where oh i slashed my wrists and now i'm dead no it's a slow painful death process that that is not pretty it's a parent who can't get in the bathroom and doesn't know why there's water coming through the door trying to bang through the door and falling down to grab a a child that's that's gone and and not knowing how to react and respond to that because they can't process that that's what's taking place. And I think by showing that it elevated the seriousness of these acts for me in a, to a place that as a, as a frequent movie and entertainment watcher, it is almost never ever depicted in that serious of a manner. There's a, there's a sense of, um, I think the word that comes to mind is messy. Mm. And I don't mean messy in just the physical sense. Again, only knowing secondhand what happened in this in the uh, suicide scene, I think that what this series has the power to do is to connect us in those moments to the person. There, I, I can't personally speak for someone. I've never been in the room when those things have happened. Uh, thankfully, I guess this, I don't know if that's a good word to use. Yeah, I mean, I, I think but, I pray you never are. But I think that as someone who's really never even experienced those things, I felt gross. I felt, I felt, I almost felt victimized a little bit. I felt like I wanted to help. Like I wanted, I wanted to take a knife and stab Bryce in the neck. You know, I mean, that's how much I felt right in those moments. And, um, you know, I think about Hollywood and the, and the portrayal of, 
of, and I'm going to speak for the things that I saw. So I think about Hollywood and the portrayal of sex and how it looks glamorized. It looks like there's no repercussions. Nothing hurts. <laughs> it's like the, the way in which it's portrayed, unless it's done specifically to show something specific, like most of the time it's, it's, I would say quote beautiful or, um, you know, pretty, or I, I can't think of a, a good word for it. Um, I think that there are some films, there are some stories that have the ability to not show and give you that connectability, letting your mind kind of connect the dots. And I think that what this show does in those two particular scenes is by what you mentioned, focusing on the faces of Jessica and Hannah, we, we get something completely different. Um, we don't see these, I mean, we, we, <laughs> I can't, I can't describe it. It's, it's not pornographic to me. Like it's not something that, Oh no. I, mm -mm. And, and it's, 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 it's not meant to arouse. Like that's the thing is I watch these two scenes and I'm going, this is disgusting. We're not focused. Yeah. We're not focusing on the perpetrator is the way exactly. I see it. We're, we're focusing on Hannah's point of view from the closet and right. the trauma that she is experiencing watching her friend go through this and feeling helpless. And we're experiencing her in the hot tub as if, as if he's not even there. Like right. he get, and I love that because he gets no power that we take the, mm -hmm. by, by filming it that way, we take the power away from in a way the perpetrator, you know what I mean? Right. But we're not making them front and center of the story. Right. Right. And so the focus stays on the victim. And because of that, because of facial expressions, the fact that there is so much that's emoted from those facial expressions, we connect with that. And in some ways it makes the scene just as powerful. And so it, it kind of plays into, at least for me, it plays into the fact that what I remember the most is her face in those instances and the hate that I feel the rage that I feel now taking a step back, I go, is that healthy? <laughs> right. Um, and, there, and that's a very valid question. And this is, this is where the word discretion becomes a very powerful tool, you know, very not tool, but a powerful, powerful word in that for some people, scenes like that are too much. For me, that's the envelope that gets pushed. That's the boundary that gets pushed. And I don't want to, I don't want to experience that ever again. Once was enough for me. I probably will not go back and watch the series again for a number of reasons, but two being those two particular scenes because of the way they made me feel. However, the way in which I felt, I still remember three weeks later. I hope that I remember the way I felt um, six months later. Because I think the power that this show has in light of those three scenes is the fact that it leaves a resonance with us. It leaves a resonance with this audience to say something has to change and I need to be a part of that. I need to help fight that fight because this happens. <laughs> and I got a taste of it as sensationalized as it may seem it still happens as opposed to me reading a story in, you know, in the newspaper about so-and-so being raped by 
this person, you know, or so-and-so committing suicide. We got a, we were, we were in the room when this happened with her in these instances. And I think that's where the power is. And the, it's not just an emotional connection, but now we almost feel like we are responsible. You know, that's kind of how I felt leaving those scenes. I'm going, man, I can't unsee those things. And therefore I can't lie to myself and say that stuff doesn't happen because now I know, even though I knew in my head that it does, now I have a visceral connection to those things. I guess that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. That's you're spot on. I, I mean, I completely agree. That's how I took it as well was it's like the call to action feeling the, the, I can't just be a, I can't just sit here and you just said it. I love what you just said there. Um, I can't pretend this is not how it is. You know, it's not just the word rape anymore to me. It's that picture of Hannah's face or either one, actually one in the closet bawling and scared and one motionless. Um, and the other thing that I would hope is that for young men or old men, it doesn't really matter, but for anyone watching this show, um, who may ever come across a time when they feel like maybe this is a, an okay thing to do, that perhaps they will remember those faces in their head from watching this show and think maybe that's not as sexy as I want it to be. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe this isn't something that I want to do. Um, right. So I, I was, I was fine with it. Um, I actually, <laughs> one of the things that if you don't mind the dovetail from that is that the the show is such i've i've had lots of conversations about whether or not kids should watch it because of things like that because of that and so i i was curious what your thoughts on this were too because this is one of the places where i would say i have a i have somewhat of a criticism or i, I don't know if it's a criticism but it's it's just i just it doesn't sit well with me totally and that is that it's a show that is based on a young adult book that is marketed because of such to a specific demographic. And yet the people that are getting the most out of that, I believe are adults who are able to process these things differently. And I, I wonder if the people that actually are being the, the age of the kids that are depicted in the show. And I understand that this criticism when people have used it, I wonder if it is as beneficial to them because are they truly going to be able to understand and break this down the way that, that you and I can do with 30 plus years of experience behind us with me having my own 14 year old daughter is an actual 14 year old girl going to be able to have that same takeaway. Um, and should perhaps this have been handled somehow differently to where it's much more, understood that maybe this is hey this is like a tv mature type of concept and this isn't for kids uh to watch alone this is this is our uh, this is you know this is for parents to watch with their children not for them to watch by themselves that that would be probably one of the most the biggest quote-unquote criticisms that i have i think of the show i i agree with that i think that one of the criticisms that i, I agree with is that there was definitely an absence of an emphasis on mental health. We know that Hannah was probably dealing with a lot of stuff and that mental health 
and the issues that surround that definitely play a factor into thoughts of suicide, possible, you know, depression, things like that. Um, a friend of mine I mentioned earlier who, who took his own life was dealing a lot with bipolar. Um, that being said, I think that this is a show that when you, when you tackle issues like this and when you intend to show things that are meant to make an audience feel uncomfortable, you have a responsibility to let people know ahead of time what this is about. You know, I, I, I don't like to make criticisms without having solutions. And so maybe the only thing that I could say was, and I think Netflix kind of, I think Netfllix did this after a lot of the backlash backlash. They actually put some front matter at the beginning of the series that says it deals with a lot of these things. Um, and they gave some helpful information on where to go if you if you're dealing with this kind of stuff, which I thought was very cool. I thought that was a very cool thing for them to do. But what that tells me is that this is a series that's not just a story for entertainment purposes, that it has power. And when you deal with issues like suicide and uh, beyond just your typical um, well, I say I don't say, I want to say typical. I'm saying when you deal with bullying, when that's a major issue, a major theme of of your series, you have to realize that the power that comes with that <laughs> to to be Spider-Man esque, it comes with great responsibility. And I think that the creators should have taken a little bit more precaution to say, while this comes from a young adult novel, because of the way in which we're telling the story, because of the expansion of the characters. You need to know as parents, this is not to be taken without conversation beforehand. You need to be responsible as parents to let your children, you know, you let your kids watch this with discretion. If you, you know, watch it before your kids do, because it's very, yeah, you're exactly right. When it comes from a young adult source, you're talking about an adaptation. Well, you're going to get your audience that from there and I, I wish that that would have been a little bit more front-loaded. I'm glad that we have the half-hour documentary afterwards, like After the Reasons or Beyond, or, uh, beyond, beyond the Reasons. Beyond the Reasons. I would, I would like to have seen that beforehand mm-hmm. because we know from that that the creators, the, the people behind the series, were doing it for a purpose. And so... Again, it's 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 a it's the responsible thing to do, you know. So I can I can I actually mention something about that? So yeah, I was reading yeah. I was reading about this, and um, since we were just talking about the way that the suicide is depicted, and it it is a huge point of contention amongst viewers of the show, um, and one of the so many of the stars have spoken out in the documentary Beyond the Reasons, Selena Gomez, executive producer as well. Jay Asher, the writer of the book, many others. Um, but the the story writer, the one who co-wrote the screenplay, I guess you would, I guess it's not a screenplay. See, we're, we're movie guys, people, so just, you know, bear with us Tele- here. Teleplay. The, teleplay. The teleplay, is that what it's called, really? Someone who writes the script for the television series is the teleplay. If you're a writer, a little trivia for you guys, if you, if it says written by in the, in the, in the TV credits, Usually that person wrote the story and they wrote the script for the story. 
Otherwise, you'd say story by so-and-so, teleplay by so-and-so. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I like Dang. that knowledge. Yeah. The more you know. Absolutely. <laughs> well, one of the writers, uh, his name is Nick Sheff, and he defended the depiction of suicide in an op-ed that he published on Vanity Fair. Um, and he, in that, he says, From the very beginning, I agreed that we should depict the suicide with as much detail and accuracy as possible. I even argued for it relating the story of my own suicide attempt to the other writers. He added that his reasons for attempting suicide were different from those of, of Hannah's, but that they both, quote, experienced a feeling of complete and utter defeat. He details how a flashback of a woman uh, who shared her own suicide attempt in rehab saved his life. And he says, I stand behind what we did 100%. I know it was right because my own life was saved when the truth of suicide was finally held up for me to see in all its horror and reality. And, and again, that is what I took away from it. Um, and so I, I, I just share that to at least it, those who do not agree that this was the right choice are not going to be convinced. But what hopefully, if you feel that way, hopefully you can at, at the least hear those hear this quote and understand that everyone involved in this show absolutely has the best intentions and wants to do something that they believe is going to try and help children prevent suicide right yeah for sure and uh that leads me into i guess as we as we begin to wind things down i wanted to talk about there were a number of themes in the uh in the series definitely themes of bullying the power of social media slut shaming became a word that i had actually never heard until i'd seen this series and did some research on that um, isolation versus community real friendships the power of words and rejection but one of the things that stood out to me was this idea of perception versus reality um going back to what we talked about a little earlier in the book the main character is Hannah, and we're hearing things from her perspective, and again from from Clay. I think those are the main two two characters in the book. But as the show expands on these characters, we get new perceptions, we get new stories, and I uh, the name escapes me. I believe it is um, Courtney. Okay. Uh, one of uh, one of Hannah's friends, uh, she's the one that that comes on to, to Hannah, and gets her, gets her, uh, you know, herself photographed, and to try to hide the fact that she lives an alternate lifestyle, she accuses Hannah of being a lesbian, and anyway, it's just kind of uh, one of the major plot points pushed forward. But she makes an interesting comment near the end of the series. She says when talking about the things that Hannah's saying on the tapes, people are that are on the tapes that she's talking about are freaking out because they know kind of what's going on. And she says something to the, to the effect of, well, that's her truth. That's not my truth. And I think of all of the themes, all of the ideas that, that come through this series, that line really connected with me because of the power that perception has not only 
to a large group of people and the the uh, the power of like a lot you know the large group but also the idea that if we believe a lie that we're telling ourselves long enough or if we say that long enough we'll end up believing it i believe that she um believed that i believe that she over the course of this whole um event she felt that she didn't do anything wrong that maybe even to an extent that Hannah really was a lesbian. But what it tells me, man, is I look at that and I go, when you have someone who can say, that's your truth, not my truth, what that tells me is that, well, then neither of you are truthful. What is that truth? (laughs) I mean, what if you're both lying about something? And I think that's where some of the, the hopelessness that the series is trying to evoke uh, lives in, the, in in those lines in that, wow, we all have our own way of looking at the world and we think that our way is the way because any other way might be uncomfortable. And I started thinking about that from Hannah's point of view and I'm going, well, we don't know how, you know, we don't know about Justin until we see his full story and Hannah she only knew pieces and parts of the stories that she was, um, I guess, narrating through her tapes. And so I look at that and I see how this power of perception, how if we can only see things from our own point of view, from our own worldview, and not from the worldviews of other people, we can't understand people. We can't understand the world around us because we think that everything has to be like what we think it is. And, you know, in some ways, maybe our truth is the truth. But the fact is, when there are people around us that believe something differently about their lives or they believe something else entirely, if we don't at least hear them out and get where they're coming from, we have no idea where that originates from. That could be originating from a place of hurt, a place of desperation. And it bleeds into this idea of just looking at people as valuable seeing people and their worldviews as something that is incredibly valuable. Um, and that's kind of what I took away from this is that I need to do more of that. I need to, I need to understand where people are coming from so that when difficult issues come up, you know, like this or, or whatever, they can be talked about in a sincere, I want to understand you way instead of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, get out of my face. <laughs> And so it becomes less about a right-wrong argument and more about, I just want to understand where you're coming from so that we can have a healthy dialogue and so that we can understand each other better. And I think that's part of what lives in the show is a lack of understanding, not only from the people that Hannah considers um, enemies, but also from Hannah herself. She didn't know everything. And I love that the show kind of points that out for us. So it's a, uh, it's a powerful thing, man. It, I, I, you know, I don't know. Did you resonate with that or any other themes or, or? Well, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I think, I think the biggest thing for me was to talk and to listen, uh, that came out of this was yeah. talk, 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 talk. You know, that's why we led the show off with call someone, um, talk to someone if you're having these thoughts, because the, the problem is that 
so many, and then we see it. That's again. That's why I feel like the show is so well done. Gosh, every time I try to find a word to praise it, I feel weird about saying it. But um, in the way that it shows all of the kids in Hannah's life, all the school kids, none of them are talking about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, Justin's not talking about what's going on at his home with his awful living situation with his step boyfriend and his mom. Um, Jessica's dad is deployed all the time. Um, so she's going through parental stuff. Um, Courtney has her own things. Bryce, you know, Bryce's parents are completely absent. Bryce is the epitome of the, the guy who gets whatever he wants because why, what else, why wouldn't that be his worldview? Of course it's his worldview. No one has ever shown him that he ever has to work for anything. He is the star of the team. He gets what he wants at school. He makes his own rules. He gets to do what he wants at home. We've never seen his parents. We don't know anything about them other than they're always gone. They're not in his life. So he's going to gravitate toward a worldview that revolves around him naturally. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's huge, man. It's huge to to, to talk and, and to listen. And I think that was something that I really pulled out of it was um, the fact that Clay is the perspective of someone who listens to the tapes we we don't see everybody else doing it but the way that we hear about them reacting to the tapes everybody asks why he's taking so long right and we really get the sense that everybody else just kind of put them all in binge listen to them and then they were done and moved on they didn't resonate on it they didn't spend a whole lot of time doing the same thing that clay is doing like really trying to understand. Um, And so I think he gives us that perspective of, hey, look, you need to listen as well um, when someone does talk because it's no good if they're talking if we're going to blow them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that what Clay does for us is he encapsulates what we're doing. You know, even even if we're going to be like Alex and binge, over the course of an entire night for the purposes of figuring out, you know, what's on Clay's tape, because that's one of the biggest points of intrigue is, you know, what's Clay's tape all about? Because up till that point, up till his tape, we think, you know, what's he done wrong? However, the show does a great job of showing us a little bit of the absence of help with, with, with Clay. Um, which is just as, just as uh, detrimental as you know the bullying. You know, not stepping up for someone. There were several times I was like, Clay, why did you? What did you just say? Oh man! Of course, knowing what we know about Hannah, he may have thought he wasn't saying anything hurtful, but to her, I mean, even he in small ways was re- rejecting her uh, here and there. Uh, it wasn't nearly to the to the extent that that other people were. But I, I love the fact that we get Clay's perspective because we're walking that road with him because we want to understand as well. We don't want to just get to that tape. We also want to understand and have it be like a slow burn. Um, and uh, So and, were you under the impression that, that Clay is then um, responsible as well? <sighs> I mean, if we're, we need to go down this road eventually, okay. which is to talk about, um, we need to discuss whether or not, who's, who's at fault here? Right. We know we know we know the people who committed rapes are at fault. We know that some of the very 
blatant things that, that are done. We can't ignore those. Mm-hmm. But there's there's the two big questions that that two or three, I would say three for me that I like to would like to kind of bang around, and that's Clay's role. Was it justified that Hannah put so much on Clay, and did he do something wrong? Mister Porter's role, because um, you know when she goes to see him, she says on the tape, she says, "If you're listening, I failed," or he failed and sealed my fate because in the very end, she basically puts all her eggs into Mr. Porter's basket mm-hmm. and puts it all on him and Hannah. What about Hannah? What's Hannah's role in this and what's her responsibility? Yeah, that's a loaded question. And I think it's, it's made to be a hard question to answer. Um, I side with Tony cause he seems to be the, <laughs> the voice of reason. <laughs> in all this. <laughs> Plus he's got the coolest car, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, there's a great conversation, and I think it's just before Clay listens to his tape. And Tony basically says, she made a choice, but we all killed her. And I think that even Clay had some responsibility in that because I think it was very... I'm going to use the word beautiful in the most artistic sense. I think it was very beautiful how he wrestled with his lack of assertiveness in fighting for her, mm-hmm. not just romantically, but socially and otherwise, because we see his rage. We see how aggressive he gets. We see kind of the bender he takes in the middle of the school and how these tapes are affecting him. And he hasn't even gotten to his tape yet. But then we see how he's basically being absolved of any responsibility from from her. And he can't accept that because at this point he he realizes, you know what? I was just as much to blame because I could have done something and I didn't. But but was he? And here's my here's the thing. You know, here's what I struggle with. I and I and I, I study this with the utmost care, but I struggle with. Anyone who has ever put expectations put on someone that they are not aware of, and and can that ever be fair? Can I, Patrick, expect you to be ready to talk about an incredibly deep topic, and I've never told you about it, and I ask you on the show, so Patrick, what do you think about particle physics, hmm? And my expectation is that you're just going to answer me, and you're going to know everything that there is to know about particle physics, because I want you to just because I want you to and because I need you to because I need your perspective. But is that a fair expectation? Because why else, why would you know about particle physics? You Would you have any reason to think that? No, you're exactly right. And there's nothing fair about that. But then we talk about Hannah and there was nothing fair about what she did by sending out tapes. She should not have done that. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of approaches that are taken here. And that's what makes this show so beautifully messy is the fact that nobody, and I repeat, nobody, with the exception of maybe Tony, made any made made a choice that would better the situation. I don't think anybody in here. I think near the near the end there was some hope in that, mm-hmm. but for the majority of the show, you're talking about people who are trying to save their own butts. Yep. <laughs> in some ways, and then a guy like Clay who is trying to understand this girl who, you know what, we realized that he loved her from the very beginning. 
as the show goes on, we see how much he cared for her. And I'm not, I don't like the word love, but okay. how much he cared for you. And, and I, and he, I, I bring that, deep, I bring he had, that, he had a deep affection for her. Yeah, I he bring that one. up though, to make a distinction with the okay. love thing, because I think, I think that's something that's very common and we, we can throw that word out there. Um, but love is action and, and love would have seen more deeply what Hannah was going through, would have been wanted to be a part of that life to the point where he would understand or, or try to learn some things. Yeah. He, he had an affection for her, but I don't, I don't see love. I think he had an affection that grew as well as, as he listened he, to the tapes. I, here's a, here's an interesting thought. <laughs> I think that he listened to the tapes partly to to eventually get to his because he knew from the very beginning that if he had these tapes, he was on them. That was kind of what the first tape said. That yeah, if you're listening to those tapes, you're you're on one of them. And so, but the fact that he didn't just fly through them, that he just I think said more about his affection towards her that he didn't realize he had mm-hmm. like he, he pined for her for sure. Agree. agree. And so he was attracted to her and I'm not going to say that his lack of pursuit of her is what killed her by any means. But at the same time, I think that what he wrestles with when he gets to his tape allowed him to, cause she never blames him. She never says, you didn't do anything and that's why you're on this tape. I think he inferred that. And I think that he wrestled with the fact that he could have, but at the same time, I don't blame him. I don't blame him as an audience to say you, you know, you should have done this because yes, hindsight. Sure. But the end result was the fact that when she killed, did she make the choice to kill herself or did everybody else contribute to it? And the answer is yes from my perspective, even if it's unintentional, you know, I don't think any of these people intended to lead her to suicide by any means. I think that for various reasons, either because they were trying to save their own rear ends or they were completely oblivious and realized after the fact that they should have done something contributed to it. And I think that's kind of what the show does now. Is that the lesson that it teaches? I hope not. (laughs) I hope the lesson is not you should be responsible for every person in your life and if they kill themselves it's your fault. No. Good. That is not the message you should no. You should not be receiving that message at all. What you should be doing is looking at that and going people are valuable and I need to watch my mouth and I need to be aware of the world around me that my words have impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that if I make some crass comment or if I'm sarcastic that somebody might be listening mm-hmm. and I need to be aware of that. And the bigger picture is that people need to be valuable to me. People don't need to be people don't need to be punchlines. People don't need to be, you know, ways for me to make myself look better. That there's an awareness that I need to have as a human being, because other people are just that they're human beings, just like me. Yeah, it's like that poster that we talked about earlier. That don't be a bleep to people like that. Yeah, they boils down to that, and then the concept exactly. of, and the concept of perception is reality. Mm-hmm. For for people, that doesn't make it right or wrong, like you just said. It doesn't make me responsible, but the reality is that if you're perceiving my comments in a way that I don't intend them, that that's your that's how you're taking them. That's your reality. It's your worldview, like we talked about earlier. And so it's something you need to aware, be aware of, like you said, awareness. Um, the other the other I wanted to talk about the end 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 because people claim online 
I say online, people out there in the, the, the metaverse, the world. The uh, metaverse. <laughs> I haven't played too much Persona 5, man. Um, people out there who um, are very upset and feel that the show offers no hope. Um, and I've had some conversations about that, and uh, I, I understand that point of view. I do. Um, largely point of view coming from the place of that, you know, Hannah wins to say it frankly she gets what her intended result was which is she gets to make them all suffer by making them listen to these tapes and killing herself so she wins in a sense she accomplishes her goal um i would argue that because she's dead she didn't accomplish anything um she's taken her life and she's 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 gone um so she doesn't i can't see that as a win but um Another another big part of the criticisms I've heard center around the way that the show handles the ending. And Hannah's, I read it, or I quoted it earlier, that I hope you're listening, or if you're listening, I failed, or he failed, and sealed my fate right before she goes to Mr. Porter, who's got the last tape, right? And people have claimed that this gives a, an improper view of what counselors are like. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh huh. It does. But I think it also gives a realistic view because as I watched this, and I've watched it twice now, mind you, remember, I went through a huge range of emotions watching this conversation take place with Mr. Porter. I watch him being engaged. I watch him intentionally trying to put away the phone, ignore it to give her his attention. I watch him trying to ask her questions, trying to get her to answer things. I also hear him make assumptions that trigger her and upset her. I hear him guessing things that don't make her feel good and, and help maybe shut her down. Um, and what I take away from that is how hard it is to have a conversation with someone if that person's not going to be forthcoming. And ultimately what this conversation should show us is that not that Mr. Porter was bad. I don't think every bone in Mr. Porter's body wanted to help Hannah. He was trying to do so within what he thought was the best way to talk to her within the red tape of whatever rules we have around reporting and how things have to be done, which is a whole other conversation we're not going to have right now. Um, and then Clay says what I think is the, the line of the show for me is what this is what gives me hope is because Clay says this and I and I applaud the writers for this. He says at the end to Mr. Porter, I took Hannah at her word, which is what you should have done that day. And that line almost brings me to tears because I feel like that's the crux of this, right? And that's why I do feel there's hope because you can show me a situation that doesn't end well. You can show me a situation with a string of mistakes and missteps that lead to tragedy, but you're telling me at the same time, Hey, look, this is where we went wrong. So when in reality, this happens to you, don't do it this way. Do what Clay said, take Hannah at her word. And maybe this won't happen. And so that's, that's why I ultimately land on hope. I can see that. And it's it's a messy kind of hope. 
but it's still there. And I can see how that's overshadowed by the fact that in a lot of ways, justice is not served. <laughs> Bryce gets away with what it is, you know, what he gets away with. And there's so much brokenness. So many people are broken, but even with, um, I forget again, it's <laughs> the girl that likes, uh, clay, forget her name. who was responsible for the, the car accident, um, or the stop sign. I forget her name. The fact that she turns herself in, you know, that she owns up to that, um, I think is, is a hint that the power of, of what Hannah has done is, has left people to make their own choices. And we applaud those who make the quote right choice, but there is something sobering about the fact that people are going to make their, their own choices and we're not going to agree with them. And this is kind of where we get into that area of is a story valuable because it doesn't completely resolve. And I think it is because it paints a picture of the fact that things don't get wrapped up in a nice little boat as much as we want it to. The only time that stories don't do that is when there's a sequel getting, getting planned for feature films, for instance, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, and it, 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 you know, there's talk. That's about, ironic. <laughs> yeah, it's and the fact that we do have, you know, we have a sequel in the works, and I think you and I are both on the, on the side of not wanting that to happen. Yeah, I wish not. Because, because the power of of ending a show like this is not just saying, "Look how crappy the world is." No, it's look at the brokenness that we have the ability to help remedy. We can be a band aid. We can be that comfort for someone we can be those people that take folks at their word um just last night i was at a ball game with my family and as we were leaving the ball game a, a homeless woman <laughs> came up to me and i came up to us and asked for a ride you know three or four miles down the road and <laughs> my instant knee-jerk reaction was oh my goodness mm-hmm. does she have a gun is she going to try to ask for money? You know, every you know inconvenience or every uncomfortable situation was going through my head. And I looked at my wife and I looked at my son and I said, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to show some love, to take people at their word. And we gave her to a ride to it. We gave her a ride to a shelter, gave her some cash and went about our merry way. And what it did was, evoke a conversation with my four-year-old who said, who was that? I said, that was so-and-so and she doesn't have a home and we were giving her a ride and, and him just asking questions like, why did you do that? And now we get to be honest with him and say, because that's the way we show love to people. Nice. <laughs> that's a way that we do that. Um, and you know, it, that was it. Nothing magical about it. I don't know if we'll ever see her again. May not, probably not but it's the right thing to do. <laughs> and I mean, you can go into the arguments about, well, what if she had this or, you know, what if she was trying to do that? Well, that's not the question that I need to be having. The question I need to be having was saying, where can I take you? Where is this place? And, you know, it's hard to trust people you don't know because that's just the nature of who we are as human beings. But man, there's something nice about just trusting <laughs> and, 
even with that little bit of apprehension, I think there is something really, really just sincere. And I think that's where genuine love exists is the ability to trust without an agenda. And I think that that's what this show does in some ways is it leaves us with a sense of hope because it reminds us that there are people that we need to listen to and trust. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, I think there is some hope that, that lives at the conclusion of this story. It may be messy it may be a little ambiguous, but it's, it's there. So, so good stuff, man. Um, I think that's all we have time for. I think we could probably go on for another two or three hours, but I think we need to leave that to the conversation elsewhere as in our Facebook group or in our social media warehouses where we live. And if uh, you want to get in touch with me specifically, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. I would really love to continue this conversation. If you guys have seen it, um, find ways to, to let's ask some questions. Uh, let's get some thoughts. Let's just, let's, let's conversate a little bit. I'm going to say that word. This word's going to be in the dictionary at some point continue to conversate so what about what about you aaron um well you can find me all over the web at aaron l white a-a-r-o-n-e-l-w-h-i-t-e you can search that up in twitter instagram or facebook and find me um you can also find me tweeting mostly from the show's twitter at feelin film f-e-e-l-i-n-f-i-l-m um, we have a Facebook group that Patrick mentioned where a lot of great discussion about this show has come about, um, as well as, obviously, the many movies that we are talking about all week long, every single week. So we welcome you to come and join that. It's open invitation. You can find a link to that on our website, feelinfilm.com. I think it's at the bottom of the, the landing page there. So easy to get to that. We'd love to have you come join us in the conversation. I think... Next week, we are covering something that we just threw on the schedule recently, which I really loved when I saw it for the first time a couple months ago, and <laughs> it's a movie about music, which is something that Patrick really loves. Sing so, Street! Sing Street! Wait, no, we already did that. Sorry. We're not doing Sing Street again. No, Patrick. Dang. No. No. Down boy. <laughs> um, but I do think that you're going to adore this film, because I do. It is an amazing movie. <laughs> I love and your logic. I adore it, so therefore you shall. Well, you know what? That's actually usually the case. You know, it usually we, is. We're pretty in sync when it comes to this stuff. Um, see that in sync? I just made a musical reference about a musical movie. And with that, we're going to say bye, bye, bye. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been perfect. So the movie we're talking about is almost famous. Um, Patrick is uh, in for a treat. I don't think he's seen it yet. He's going to be watching it. I've not. It. I've been waiting yes. to watch it when, uh, when we review it. So. we watching it this week, and we'll be talking about that one next week. So come back. For that conversation, last but not least, we did launch a new show. Anybody who has not heard that specific announcement yet, there's a new show out there. It's called Feelin' Film Plus. Staying with our Twitter, staying with our Facebook, we'll promote it uh, throughout those places. We'll talk about it in the Facebook group. But Feelin' Film Plus has its own feed in iTunes. So go check that out. Subscribe to it if you're inclined. What that show is going to be is literally exactly what the title is. It's just going to be a place for Patrick and I to go and do podcasting about things that are not necessarily movies. Now we are going to put some movie stuff there. We're going to kind of tweak what goes into this feed and some extra stuff with more guest host stuff, I think is going to be over in the feel and film plus area. And we're going to keep this feed kind of streamlined, uh, Patrick and I back to the roots of the show. 
but feeling film plus we might talk about books documentaries um, the the first episode that is up there now is on an anime series um we may do video games board games it really it's just wide open um basically where our passions lead to conversation is what feeling film plus is going to be so check that out if you have any interest in that Fantastic, man. Well, that's about it for this week. Enjoyed the discussion. Uh, glad we were able to deviate just a little bit, but like we uh, like we always do, we try to keep it in the fields, and we definitely had that with this one. So uh, come back and hear from us next week. In the meantime, check us out on social media. Keep the conversation going. And uh, I guess we'll finish it up by saying stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.